Wasn't that a great session talking about the next generation? Now, keeping on a generational theme, now we have a great Q&A with Peter Roper, the family business practice man. Peter is a vastly experienced business management consultant who really just delves really deep. He's an expert and authority on the subject of family business with all the different dynamics that has compared to a normal business. And with farms being predominantly family businesses, we thought it'd be good to catch up with Peter. See you on the call. Peter Roper, long, long standing friend of both of ours, who is an expert in, as it says on his little picture there, family business practice. So Peter has gone very, very deep on the differences between a traditionally run business and one owned and run by a family and the different little eccentricities, quirks, benefits and consequences, all that entails. So, Peter, welcome. Thanks, Dave. Lovely to see you and Paul as well. Lovely to see you both. And, you know, obviously, I've known you for many years, the two of you, and it's yeah. nice to have the opportunity to speak to a different community. Wonderful. Well, they're friendly. They don't bite, but their cattle do. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> well, I'm so... looking across the fields right now, and the cattle are there, and the sheep are there right now. Well, in, in fact, the, the young cattle have just gone out because they've just been taken away. There's more sheep in there at the minute. So it'll be a bit quiet. Uh, I am you? surrounded by 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 farms, you know, where mm. I live in Worcestershire. So wonderful. So, Pete, start off by, if you will, just by giving us sort of a ninety-second, two-minute potted resume of your background. How have, how have you got to here? Oh, blimey! As you know, I could talk about that for hours. So, in short, I've been in uh, business development for forty odd years. Yep. I've been working with family businesses. This is my twenty-eighth year with family businesses. I've had six family businesses of our own. Three successes, three fantastic failures. You know full well what I've learned more from. Uh, I'm famous for a, 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 a number of phrases. One is about filling the fridge, and I, that's where family businesses start from. And um, we are unique. I say we because we are a family business. Paul, you are. Dave, you are. And we think, act, and do differently. No matter what the marketplace is, we work differently. We are not a corporate. I, I had a... a, a, a a decent corporate career till I was 40. And I walked away from all the machinations of that, although I was successful at the time. Um, we are very different the way we think about things. And therefore, um, that brings its own unique challenges. You, you mentioned fill the fridge there. Now, um, anyone who knows Peter Roper will know that's what he's probably most famous for. What does that mean to, to the farmers watching and listening to this? Okay, so... Um, I had a, a successful consulting career up to 2006. I made some uh, mistakes in terms of investment. And by, in 2007, I lost the lot. So the fancy house, cars, everything uh, 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 disappeared. And we ended up renting a two up, two down uh, a cottage in a village uh, surrounded by farms. And uh, my grown up kids came to see me. And literally, they said, Dad, the fridge is empty and you're skinned. And they had a whip round. And they gave me some cash and said, go to Lidl and go and fill the fridge, and that's where it's from. And that's where most family businesses, are. that's where they're most scared. They're scared to death that the fridge yeah. is empty. And, and it might be a business, but actually they're scared about the fridge being empty. And what happens is, uh, as a business grows, and then you perhaps employ people, those employees are perhaps members of the family, uh, especially when you get into multi-generation families, which, of course, I know farms very much are that way inclined. Um you're filling their fridges 
<laughs> that's the point. You're now filling their fridges as well as your own. And there'll be times when you don't fill your fridge and your fridge is empty, but you make sure you fill everybody else's fridge. Um, and that's a saying that's stuck with me ever since, basically. So that's what a family business is about. And it might grow. It might become multinational. It might be huge. But you never forget the fact that you are responsible for filling everybody else's fridge and hopefully your own. That is so true, Peter, isn't it? I think Dave, you'd recognise this. And I see it with a lot of our farming clients that when the milk price drops, if you're in dairy or the the, the meat price drops, they tend to focus on, oh, I've got to pay the salaries. And the people that will end up not being paid is often all the family members, not even necessarily just the family owners. But as you say, if the son and daughter, well, you're expected not to take your wage either because we've got to pay all the staff. Yeah. Um, so I think that concept of needing to fill the fridge, and certainly as a business owner myself uh, and having my son and my daughter know my business, I resonate with the fact that I've got to fill their fridge as well. Yeah. It's, extra pressure. it's extra pressure, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's it's extra pressure. I've, I've uh, you know, I have done myself, and I have spoken to many other family businesses where, you know, they they've paid the salaries on a credit card, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 thought, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I got thirty days to work it out, and and uh, that's what a family business is about. It 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 works in a different dynamic. You will not see what I would call a corporatized mm-hmm. business. And I don't mean that unkindly. I just mean it's different. It's just working as a business. It's not got the family business values and stuff. Uh, they wouldn't do that. They would just say, look, we're out of money. Let's go get a loan or we'll close the business. Family businesses can't do that. And, I, and, and of yeah. course, farmers can't, definitely can't do that. So um, it, it, absolutely, you know, uh, the, you know you're, you'll pay everybody by yourself and your suppliers. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll pay your suppliers beforehand because you know if you don't, you might stretch things. You might most family businesses will talk to their suppliers and say, "Look, we got a problem." And because they're normally the ones that are the best payers, I don't say all family businesses are the best in the world. By the way, there are some <laughs> some exceptions. We and we probably all know them, but in the main, they'll pay they'll pay the suppliers properly when they're supposed to pay them. So if they've got a real problem, they say, "Look, we got a real problem," and those suppliers will help to a degree because they know they'll come good because they're not playing the, what I call the corporatized game. So you've got this big, you know, round robin thing. And don't forget a high percentage of the business in this country are family businesses. Mm. High percentage. What's the difference then, um, Peter? How would you, you talk about the corporate business? What would you say are the two or three things that are different between a family business and let's call it a corporate business, which is basically a non-family business, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what are the two or three things that you would say would be different? Well, if you looked at the Institute for Family Business, the IFB, they would say that a, a family business means they've got to have at least 25% of the shareholding of the company to say it's a family business. Well, they would say that because the the IFB, um, you know, is very much interested in, 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 in larger family businesses. You only have to look at their membership fee to understand that. Mm-hmm. Sorry if that upsets anybody listening to this recording. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's fact. It's there. It's plain to, plain to see. Governments don't understand uh, family businesses. They understand very large businesses because they're the ones that talk to them all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, family businesses, to me, are anybody there's got some sort of family member they talk to about it. So if I traditionally say a family business starts by putting food on the table, you know, you you start the, the business doing whatever it is you're going to do. Um, and, you you know, if you've got, a, you know, I, I will say to an audience, have you, you know, have you got a partner? And they'll say, oh, yes, I've got a wife or a husband or, or a partner, whatever. Do you ever talk to them about the business? Oh, yeah, regularly. Well, 
you've got a family business, whether you like it or not. Yeah. The fact they might not be formally employed in it. Mm-hmm. Paul, I'm, I am sure, in fact, I know you, that you'll have used your kids in labour in your business before they became part of the business. Popping you know, uncomfortably. Yeah. <laughs> but legally and all above board. Yeah. Legally and all above board, of course. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But, I mean, if you take our, take our business, you know, um, our older daughter, Sarah Beth, uh, you know, Dave particularly knows Sarah Beth very, very well. She was working in the business, uh, our business, when she was eight. You know, when we used to have do CDs and stuff, you know, she did, did, did glue on the CD stackers and stuff. But that's why how family businesses work. And then eventually, some you know, the kids get involved in it or not, as the case may be, which is a completely different subject. And that's how family business starts. And, and you know, from my, my very limited experience of farms, it's exactly the same thing. The pressure comes to work in the family business because you've been working in it for years you know, unpaid labour, you know, in the early days. And then as, as they grow, you know, this, well, do you want a new pair of shape, uh, you know, football boots? Yeah, absolutely. We'll go and do that over the corner. <laughs> now, you're right. You're right, Peter. I mean, a lot of the farming clients that I talk to, they'll say their words, they use phrases like, well, I've just grown up in the business. And they have literally, I mean, yeah. you know, again, it's not always legal but to have anybody under the age of 13 on your farm, just to be absolutely clear on that one. But yeah, yeah children will help out. Where there's awesome. stuff, and you're right, and that's not that. Whereas that wouldn't normally happen if you know if you're working in an accountancy practice, large accountancy practice, you wouldn't necessarily d- bring your kids in to the office to give you a hand on school yeah. holidays. Whereas in farms, absolutely, that's what happened. So, what else is the difference between a family business and a corporate business? Is there anything to do with the way it feels or the way it yeah. operates? Yeah. yeah, I mean, to me, the number one is values. Right. To me, it's all about values of the Ex- business. Explain, please. Explain. Yeah. Well, a family business stands or fall by the uh, by the values it portrays on a day to day basis. So yeah. therefore, it's the it's the values that the family portray that actually make that business tick, makes it work. It is likely, you know, both of you understand and know and and serve people with with how to you know how to look at values. Um. It is likely that the family has similar values, so therefore they it goes into the business that they, their values are there in a certain way. Corporatized businesses, and I, I don't mean they're necessarily a big corporate. I mean they're a business where it's a group of people who get together to do some business to make some money and pay salaries and pay whatever it is that they'd like out of that business. Um, values are a secondary consideration. They're, uh, the first consideration is does does this thing work and do we all make money out out of it? Far, you know, and I'm sure with farmers it's the same, but certainly with family businesses I've I've worked with, which is literally thousands. Um, it's it's values first. It's always values first. Uh, and how, how does that impra- impact them operationally? Then they probably take less money. That's the first thing. They probably give people more license. Um, they work a lot closer with their with, with their client base. They tend to know their client base better. They tend to know their suppliers better. Um, uh, you know, relationships, particularly over a period of time, are longer. Um, certainly when you get um, multi-generation business, family businesses, uh, the youngsters will say, how the, hell do, how the hell does dad know all those people? Well, the fact is, you know, over years, those relationships have formed, but they've formed in a way that's very different to a corporatized business. They're fun- Whatever people say, corporatized business is an intent on being more transactional mm-hmm. and, and yes. less relational. 
Yeah, that's what it boils down to. And it, it's not a criticism at all. It's just a different way of life. That's all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is why people come from those more corporatized transactional based businesses. They come into family businesses. They either sink or they swim. Uh, and a lot of them sink. They don't really get it. They don't really get the whole ethos of that. They do. They really take to it. And it's, it's great. Interestingly, if you look at lots of statistics, you will see things like um, employee retention in family businesses is always higher, mm-hmm. always higher. It's and true. Yet they tend to be paid lower. Mm-hmm. They tend to work harder mm-hmm. and longer. Of vocation. They stay. Yeah. They yeah. stay. So you've got to ask yourself, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you go and get higher salary and have less aggro and work less? Why wouldn't you do that? And the answer is got to be values, hasn't it? It's got to be the values of that, that, that family ethic, which you either buy into or you don't. Like I said, not all family businesses are great, but the vast majority, that's what people buy into. And because they buy into, they all together, work together closer. Um, so, Peter, have you worked? This is, um, I mean, I've got a self interest in this situation because I've got a family business that's growing, but I can yeah. think of a lot of farmers as well where. They have this situation where it's the family, then they start to move to employees. So yeah. with, the, with the clients that you've worked with, how have those families that have made the transition from, as you say, a very relationship-led business, but they have to become more corporatized because they're growing and they're bigger. Yeah. How do you hold on to that that family, those family values as you grow? Well, it's hard is the answer. Mm-hmm. It depends how they do it. I have the, another phrase I use is professionalized, not corporatized. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and that's the truth. You want to professionalize the business. You're getting bigger. You know, you've got to professionalize. Whether you like it or not, you're going to have to. But don't corporatize the business. Don't lose the very thing that's created that you see so often businesses. You, know, you, you see you know, the whole entrepreneur thing and they say, oh, the thing about entrepreneurs, they get to a certain size, they can't handle it anymore. And they clear off and they flogged it to a bunch of venture capitalists who then turn the business into something else. You see that over and over again. Well, that doesn't work with family businesses. It never works with family businesses. So if the family business is going to retain uh, that business, but it's growing, therefore it's got to, it, it's got to put professionalism in place. I always remember um interviewing some years ago the md of western cider which is uh, helen thomas and helen uh, is the fourth of what is now five generations uh, in western cider it's, it's what, 160 years old something like that now wow and that comes of course from a farming background mm-hmm. absolutely and the phrase she sent me one day really struck home with me years ago um when we were filming her actually which was uh, i'm just a custodian of this business peter mm-hmm. lovely yeah, and and that's the point. If you're if you're growing, I mean, you know, they're a decent sized business, but they're still family oriented. Still, and you know, they've still they've still you know, I think one of the examples she gave me was one of their drivers been with them for thirty years, couldn't quite handle it anymore for various reasons. So they found him another job inside. They were never going to let him go, and it, and it, he's probably still working now, and he's probably ninety or something, right? But it's because it's a, I, I, forgive anybody who's listening to this if I got it wrong, but you can see the principle. Um, they stay together so that so the business stays family oriented, but it has to professionalize because it gets bigger. You just have to. Now, now that has positive and sometimes negative consequences because you've got the family loyalty to keep the unit there. And when it works and it's gelling and it's clicking and everything's working properly, 
then productivity is good, profits are good, results are good, family gets on, they're cohesive. Then there are other situations where perhaps they're working out of obligation. Now, it sounded like Helen did it out of a sense of love and appreciation. Custodian, great word. You don't use that unless your value is driven. And then I know some young farmers around here, for example, who don't necessarily want to work on the family farm and they feel obligated to. So what are some of the positive and negative consequences of a family working together on a farm? Well, I, I know, and I'm not telling tales out of school because it's a, on a video I did with her years ago and it's still on YouTube. She actually ran away and did exactly that. She didn't want to be part of the family business, but eventually right. came back to it and chose to. Uh, I, you know, I've worked with and I've interviewed lots of uh, next generation. I mean, there's, a, 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 you know, if you talk to the um, suits, as I would call it, so the, you know, the, the solicitors, accountants, etc., they'll always come out with the standard phrase, which is, you know, first generation build, second generation uh, obligated, continue, third generation spends the money, or that's the polite version, isn't it? <laughs> right? Okay, um, <laughs> and runs away, uh, and. Uh, there's there's truth to it because just because that first generation built that business to fill the fridge right mm -hmm. because that's what they found they could do to fill the fridge and the next generation comes along they tend to feel more obligated or if it's i don't know um i know classic a couple of brothers let's say you know or you know or a couple of sisters but it's uh, it, um, you know whether they come into the business and the, the older one feels more obligated than the younger one very true in farming, that is. It's frequently the eldest son or daughter that is uh, almost expected. There's like a cultural thing of the, the, the next son will take it on. And it's in interesting what you said as well there, Peter. I think um, a lot of the more progressive farmers now, uh, reckon, by that I mean those that recognise that we need to professionalise businesses and professionalise the industry, encourage their youngsters, their next generation, to go away for a bit. You talked about Helen, the, yeah. the, the cyber, um, MD. Yeah. She went away. And I, I notice frequently that those that have done that and then come back often come back more rounded than if they exactly. just only ever worked in the... Do you see that outside of farming as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and that, I think that's particularly t true of the family businesses that, that are larger. Mm. you know um the smaller business not so easy but the larger ones can have that viewpoint which basically says son daughter off you go go do your thing uh and um you may want to come back into the business if you do you come back in as a more rounded professional you've got more experience you've got life experience you've got people experience business experience maybe mm. but if you come back you come back into the business there are there are strings there are strings to it whether you like it or not there are strings to it there are all the business strings but you are a member of the family and whether you like it or not that 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 brings a different dynamic so you, you see certain family businesses that make a mistake perhaps where they uh bring a youngster back into the business but that the youngster has learned everything so therefore now now knows everything about the world, but doesn't know anything about that family business because it moved on. So true. Away. It moved on. The business that they remembered when they were a kid, it's moved on. Mm -hmm. So they need to come in at the bottom and be humble and learn and bring the, the bring the, the team of people together. Otherwise, you're going to have people inside who are going to say, well, I know more about them, they're, but they're getting paid twice as much. I bet they're getting a real, you know, a real bonus at the end of the year because I bet they're going to get the fancy car and all that. You can hear it all. 
So they've got to come in humble with appreciation of, of the fact the situation is different. And that doesn't always happen, unfortunately. Um, I think the other side of that is is where a family... Can I share a quick story? Is that all right? Yeah. Okay, so I tend to share this same story over and over again because I just think it illustrates it. So I, I vividly remember a few years ago, I had a black country couple come to see me. Uh, they built a, a manufacturing business, done, done well for themselves, classic black country, worked hard, called a spade a shovel, uh, and um, sat down with me. And, and they got about 50 employees. Uh, and uh, dad said, we built this as a business, as a legacy for our children. I said, really? Is that right? So uh, so you're gifting it to them, are you? It's a legacy. And it, <laughs> no, 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 we're not doing that. No, 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 no. Um, so you want them to keep on working to keep you in your dotage until you pop, you pop your clogs. You know, yeah. wife who was used to being silent, but that was already laughing at that point. He's not, he wasn't used to have somebody talking back to him, basically. Um, and I said, Look, let's be blunt. You built the business because you're filling the fridge. You were on your backside when you started. You've worked hard. You've done well. And along the way, you had children that you had to fill their, you know, fill their mouths full of food. Uh, that's done great. The sons have now grown up. So the obvious question is, is if you want your sons to carry on and keep paying you money whilst you don't do any work anymore, um, they've got to want it. So do they really want it? And he said, well, yeah, absolutely. Of course they do. And I looked at his wife and I said, mom, is that true? <laughs> and she said, no. You know, I've been trying to tell him this. <laughs> Here we go. So what is it? Uh, don't tell me. The older one feels obliged. Yes, he does. Does he really want to do it? Nah. The younger one, does he want it? Yes, he does. But he's he's young and he's inexperienced. All right, so what we need to do is put a plan in place. And over a period of time, that's exactly what we did. Uh, um, uh, the the eldest son did what he thought he should do, slowly but surely built things up so that younger son could take over while he was learning. Younger son took over and, and he's running a great business. Both of them committed an amount of money that would come from that family business to keep their parents rightly in their dotage because they'd built it and they weren't flogging it off to somebody. All right, uh, and the family business continued. But you've got to be... You've got to have a plan. You've got to be open and honest. And what I always say is it's a simple plan. It can be on one piece of paper. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be legal. If it's a good family, uh, you know, you can just refer to it on a, a regular basis. I would suggest quarterly and just say anything changed on this plan. We all agree this is what we're doing. Yes. OK. Let everybody know that's what we're doing. Yeah. Let everybody know what we're doing. And then it, it's clear as something comes up and it changes because life changes then, okay, how does this affect the plan? You keep it as simple as that. And then if you need to do legal stuff, then go see the legal boys, but don't bother otherwise. You don't need to. Yeah, we would say yeah. the example you just gave there is so applicable for farming businesses. That story of a black country business could be a Worcestershire farm. It could be a Scottish farm, a Welsh farm. That scenario you described of the, the eldest son feeling obliged and the, the parents often assuming that's what's going to happen. And then the difficult conversation that says, well, we can't, the difference with farming is you can't often sell the business because you often don't own the land or if you've got the land, you can't sell it. So the, 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 there's a real sort of extra tie in farming where you're unlikely to be able to sell it. So it has to be passed on. And therefore you've got to be able, the sons and daughters have got to be able to keep their parents using your word in the dotage 
they've become accustomed to. That means that suddenly the the farm's going to operate differently. So I think yeah. everything you said there about having the conversation, getting it on a piece of paper, yeah, using tax advisors if you need to, because it can be quite complex in farming on the tax affairs. But I think, would you say, Pete, the first thing is to get the conversation started? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, you know, I've, I've been involved uh, too late in a couple of occasions where uh, they got legals involved too early. And then it all it went, all went completely pear-shaped, particularly the one I'm, I always think of where, you know, I had a dog literally crying, saying, all I want is my son back. And it was too late. They fell out in a big way and never to come back. Um, and that's because they got legal beavers involved on either side. I'm not criticizing legal beavers. Right. But they were looking out for their two clients. And those two clients didn't really, they hadn't had a proper conversation. What you do is, you know, um, uh, I can tell you now that on Saturday, we're having an an AGM of our family business, which means our son in America is going to come in, you know, on Zoom. And then the rest, you know, the family will be on Zoom as well. And we'll all be talking about exactly that. And, you know, and and he has a career completely outside of, of uh, of the family business, but he's a part of it all the same. Um, and we all just say, look, how's life? What's it about? Is this where we're going? Is that that's what's happening? Yeah, we're all clear about it. Okay. Are there any legal implications we need to think of? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're counting it. Oh, all right. Well, we better get that done. But the plan is the same. We know where we're going, and that's it. And that that's what we try and do with that with, with clients, which is if you don't need fancy stuff if you all understand it. But if you haven't had that proper conversation, you know, or, or the conversation is, yeah, I'll get around to it. I'll talk to our son soon. Yeah, I'll talk to him soon. Yeah, yeah, I will. will, will you know, I've got I've got to go do something, which means I ain't going to do it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the same. Are you going to talk to us uh, to, to about the facts of life? Yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You know, <laughs> and because dad never does. You know what I'm getting at. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, if, if they do that and you got a simple plan, and everybody knows it, you just refer to it occasionally, it doesn't have to be complicated, then everybody knows what's going on, and you'll get on with life. If it comes to this big roadblock in the middle, then it's a problem. Then it is a problem. And I know from personal experience that not opening my mouth early enough was a dumb thing to do, especially with those closest to you. The the other thing you tend to do as a parent is you try and shield your children. Yeah, yeah. Usually your children know better than you do. That's Mm. my experience. You know, I've long since realized my kids know far more than I'll ever know. And they're far brighter than me. So why wouldn't I talk to my kids and say, what do you think? Because <laughs> I don't know, you know, um, but you're in the parent situation, aren't you? You know, well, you're supposed to be the wise sage. You know, how do you say to kids, look, I'm, I'm stupid. What do you think? <laughs> well, Peter, what I'm taking from this is that farmers really should be starting their conversations early, making yeah. sure everyone's on the same page, draw up a plan, revisit the plan on a regular basis. Simple as. Now, if I've, if I've been quieter in this session than I normally would be, it's because something you said really reminded me of a, something I heard about 10 days ago in the pub in our little village here. Um, I don't know this farmer, but he was obviously a farmer. Um he was having a Sunday lunch and I overheard a conversation and I don't know why it stuck with me, but then you talking about threads, both in the lineage of father to children in the business, but also about farming generally. And I hadn't appreciated it until you said it. And it's made me really think this farmer was talking about um, at the time of recording this, it's October. We've had a more or less monsoon of rain and, the, this guy was a maize farmer 
and he was saying that you know, everything he's going to rot in the fields because we can't get on to harvest it. Um, and he said, and the sun was kind of, okay, so we'll do it next year. And he's going, no, that has consequences. And he went, oh, yeah, okay, so money will be tight. And no, no, further than that. He said, it affects the soil. It affects the environment. It affects who was going to buy the maize. So there are local cow farmers who are going to be totally dependent on that maize being produced. He said, the consequences of the job we do, and he went on to explain this thread, as you beautifully and eloquently described it, the consequences of relationships between farmer and supplier and customer and within the family and how it could impact them as a family. And I could see this farmer out the corner of my eye actually getting quite emotional. But the beautiful thing was the son got it. Oh, that's good. He got it. And it was, I mean, the hairs on the back of my neck are standing up thinking about it. He, You could tell in that moment he got, he got it. And communication, something Paul in one of his sessions earlier was going on and on and on about, you know, it's just communicate, communicate with the communicate. It all starts with communication. And so Pete, thank you for your time today. If there was one thing other than the amble that I've just said, if there's one thing that you would advise farmers to do to improve their family business practice, what would it be? Be open with the family. That that's the key. You know, I've, um, I would obviously say communicate, talk, etc. Um, but uh, it's very easy when you're in a multi multi-generational family that you go down the route of, you know, oh, you know, dad won't talk about this or mom won't talk about that, etc. And I'm not saying our family's perfect. And there is no doubt that, you know, there are times when we, you know, we, you know, we don't do what I'm saying to do. All right. I'm not, I'm not saying we're perfect. But talking to the family and being open is 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 you're halfway home then yeah at least the halfway home and, and and so as parents where you think you know everything or you, you feel like you're supposed to know everything it's better to be able to say what do you think kids and likewise with kids uh you know you know with, with the next generation with, with the children don't expect that, that your parents know everything and when you can see that they don't know all right don't get frustrated with them help them don't get the, the frustration is oh well, you know mom and dad blah, blah, blah. don't get frustrated just work with each other and communicate you know Paul I know it's a big word for you um, that's the biggest <laughs> thing you can do that's the biggest thing you can do I suppose the other thing is watch out don't buy too big a fridge because you have to fill it you know I'm off, I'm off to Aldi later on today and we'll be filling the fridge fortunately it's not too big you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> That's as a very as a thing to leave us with, Dave. I think that's a very interesting metaphor that Peter's just left us with because the farming community often think that bigger is better. Grow the business, you know, for struggling, just make it bigger. We need more land, we need more cows. And often that just means you've got a bigger fridge to fill. So I think that's a really good good point. Bigger isn't always better. No, definitely not. Brilliant. Any last comment, Paul? No, just how I think, you know, what I think Peter's talked about today, I'm sitting here thinking. I want this to be sent out to most of my farming clients because the be open thing is a real challenge within the farming community. This, we, we, you know, mental health is still very poor within the, uh, the farming community. We don't talk, uh, you know, and us three all know that the importance of being open with your family. I thought that be open 
I, I don't want to top that really. I thought be open was the was yeah. the best way to finish. Yeah. Peter, if people want to get a hold of you, how how best to do that? Well, the website's familybusinesspractice.com. That's the easiest. Uh, all my contact Peter those are on there. Uh, Dave, Paul, you know, if they get in touch with you, I know you can get get me very easily. So it's, it's dead easy to get a hold of me. Fantastic. Peter Roper, Family Business Practice, thank you very much indeed for joining us on Just for Farmers today. And thanks for your time both. Thank you.